0: Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day.
1: Mark, Mark 10 and 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit on your right hand, one on the right hand and the other on your left hand in in your glory. Jesus said to them, you you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you, do, you, you indeed will drink the cup that I drink and will be baptized as I am baptized with you. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry. You, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. But to sit by my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those of whom it is prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentile lords lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be a servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give himself a ransom for many. Our speaker this morning, well known to each of us here, Brother Frankie Gomez. Been in fellowship for many years here at the Assembly. We're looking forward to what the Lord's going to say to us through him. Our Brother Frankie, please.
0: And everything's all set, Andy? Just clip it. All right. Um, good morning. Um, I'm I'm excited. I've had so many opportunities in a row, not in a row, but um, at least near enough that I could go through a full set of thoughts um, in a study. I know it's not an opportunity that um, that we usually get uh, here at Claremont. I know we get a lot of. Um, very well-seasoned speakers coming through, um, and we're always happy to be under the sound of good teaching, good, solid teaching. But it's been a pleasure to be able to go through and all. I know not everyone has been here for each, each time I've been able to speak the last few months. Um, it's, um, it's, I think each time can stand on its own. We've been going through um, the lives of the disciples, of the Twelve. Um, Starting first and foremost, obviously, with the Lord Jesus, there is nothing of any of these twelve that would make them significant apart from the Lord, and the same is true for each and every one of us. Nothing significant of any of us apart from the Lord Jesus, apart from our Savior that we follow. Um, So, so far... Um, we've looked at Peter, who is first in every single one of the lists. Um, Every list of the 12, he's first. Um, It appears that after that it's different, but like I mentioned um, the first time, really, it's the same three sets of four. It's the same three sets of four in each list. Um, We've got Peter, and sometimes it goes right to his brother, Andrew, Sometimes it goes to James. Uh, So James is second in two of the lists. Andrew is second in two of the lists. But Andrew would probably say the only reason I'm second is because I'm Simon Peter's brother. Um, But Andrew is no later than fourth in any of the lists. So um, we've done, we've talked about Peter. We talked about Andrew, his brother. When I talked about Andrew, I also. Gave in that opportunity to talk about Andrew talked about his tag along, which was usually Philip. Philip was the first of the second set of four in all of the lists, um, and then Philip's tag along was Nathaniel, um, and um, we we took a quick look at Nathaniel. But today I I can't end the series without talking about the sons of thunder. And we haven't talked about James and John. Um, The Sons of Thunder. It's a nickname that sticks in Scripture, even though it's only talked about once. Um, And we'll get to that one time that it's talked about. But we're going to talk about James first. Um, The list that kind of, I know not all of you have been here for all of it. Um, How I dove into this was going through Luke's gospel and... Noticing when the call that it was a significant call of the 12 about halfway into Jesus's ministry. These 12 had were not singled out the first 18 months. They were part of the big crowd. They were part of the multitude um, for the first 18 months. And then about only a year and a half until the cross. The Lord Jesus goes into a mountain to pray following when the intense pressure, um, in in Luke's gospel, it's chapter 5, it's right before this, that we're first introduced to the Pharisees. And then the scribes. And and then they they challenge him about five times in a row. They're on his tail, and the Lord Jesus goes into a mountain to pray. And when he comes down, he chooses twelve. And in Luke chapter 6, um, that's kind of our, it's our base text, um, Luke chapter 6, and in, starting in verse 12, um, we'll read 12 to 16. So Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, and sometimes we know him as Nathaniel. Matthew and Thomas. James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, who was also the traitor. Uh, James, James and John, um, the other lists denote that they're the sons of Zebedee. Uh, They were in that inner circle. Uh, Sometimes it was four. We We know the three. Peter, James, and John. Um, But there is a time that the four were alone with the Lord, and that's significant. Um, James was most likely the older brother. He's listed first, even though John seems to be more prominent, uh, more close to the Lord. Um, James may have been the older brother. Zebedee is mentioned seven times in the Gospels. Um, and most of the time just as the father of James and John, but um, he was probably pretty wealthy. One of the bigger fishing businesses in Mark 120, when we see the story of, um, of Peter, Andrew, James, and John leaving the fish on the shore, they say that he, they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired, with the hired help, with the employees, um, so Zebedee had employees in this fishing business. Um, also in John 18, it says John was able to get into the place where Jesus was being tried because he knew the high priest. Um, some early church historians say Zebedee was a relative of Caiaphas. He was a Levite. Um, that he was related to the high priest's family. And James, being the elder brother of a prominent, the eldest son of a prominent family, um, maybe felt he should have been the chief apostle, held it together a little more than Peter. Um, And we see those disputes pop up through the Gospels of who should be greatest. He was never the first, except in one thing. Um, he was the first of them to be martyred. Um, he was probably much more significant to the group than we know from the gospel stories, um, the, the narratives. We know that not everything that they did was written down, but to be second in the list. You've got Peter and Andrew, James and John. Um, he, was pro- he probably did have a lot to say. It just maybe wasn't written down. Um, we can assume that as far as the other disciples were concerned, he was second in influence behind Peter, um, being second on, in, the, in the list. Um, he was included in those three who saw uh, the, the unique events that they saw that other disciples did not see. The raising of Jairus' daughter. Of Jairus's daughter. The, the, the twelve didn't see that. It was only Peter, James, and John who saw him raise Jairus' daughter, he, they went into the room with him. Um, they saw him on the Mount in Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. They, on the way from the upper room, they, they questioned Jesus about the end times. And that was the group of four. James, John, Peter, and Andrew. Uh, Mark thirteen three. It's just the four of them. And they ask Jesus about the end times and he gives them some details that the others didn't get in Mark 13. Um, and then Peter, James, and John in the inner part in Gethsemane within earshot of the prayers of the Lord. Um, and just think of, I, I think of what those, what those events represent. You have his, the, the power of the Lord Jesus in raising Jairus' daughter from the dead the glory and the mountain transfiguration, the sovereignty to know what the end times would be like, and then the agony in the garden. Um, The the nickname, Sons of Thunder. Only in Mark, uh, Mark 3.17 is where we see the nickname, um, Mark, it's interesting, by tradition, where did Mark get his story from? From Peter. And, and as, as best friends, Peter and John ended up being best friends, so I, we can assume that he was close also with James, with the family. Um, Peter wanted to make sure that, yeah, I got a nickname, but they got a nickname too, um, Sons of Thunder. Peter's nickname, though, encouraged him to be better. And we talked about that, how we can see... Kind of what Peter's doing, what kind of frame of mind he is, when the Lord calls him Simon, it's a little correction. Right? You're acting like your old man when, when we see the Lord call him Simon. Uh, and when he calls him Peter, he's doing, he's doing right. He's walking the way he should. Sons of Thunder is an admonishment. Um, the fact that James was the first to be martyred, by Herod himself, no less, um, shows that he was a problem for Herod. He was, he made himself a problem. When, when the Jewish leader said, these men turned the world upside down, James probably had a big part in that. Um, he was not passive or subtle. James... Um, was thunderous to the end. Peter settled down. Um, we know Peter settled down. He, I mean, here's the one that when the end was come, he was either sleeping or brandishing a sword. But in his epistle, he says, the end is near. It's time to, to watch and pray. Um, James ended up you know, thunderous till the end. Having a big personality doesn't... Uh, eliminate someone from spiritual leadership. We don't see it often, the big, boisterous personalities in leadership, but it doesn't eliminate someone from leadership. James, and we'll look at, um, we'll look at something that him and John say that gets them in a little bit of trouble, um, but we can see he probably related himself to Elijah. He probably thought he was something like Elijah um, or Nehemiah, passionate. John the Baptist, passionate. Um, Jesus himself, you know, made a whip and and cleared the temple. Um, And when he did it in front of his disciples in John chapter 2, it says they remembered, um, they remembered Psalm 69, 9, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Um, But sometimes, though, zeal is unrighteous. Um, Zeal apart from knowledge would condemn. Zeal apart from wisdom is dangerous. Zeal apart from mercy is cruel. And it can build into uncontrolled passion. And that can become deadly. Think of um, Jehu in 2 Kings. He was zealous. He went and so many people were judged at Jehu's hand when he was made king. And Elijah sent one of his servants to anoint him king. Um, it was by Jehu's hand that Ahab's son was killed. It was by Jehu's hand that even he was there when Jezebel, um, when Je- he, he ordered Jezebel to be thrown off that balcony. Um, he, he went through and through his zeal for the Lord and the Lord's mission, cleansed a lot of things, but in 2 Kings, we're also told that he did not walk in the way of the Lord. He had a lot of zeal for righteousness and for right, but he did not walk in the way of the Lord. Um, And in a similar case, we see two times that James' zeal missed the mark two times. Um, One time, he wanted to call fire from heaven to annihilate a Samaritan village. And another time, he got his mom to lobby um, to have him have the highest seat in the kingdom. Um, We'll look at um, the fire from heaven in um, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. 56. Um, this is um, the second time that Jesus chooses to go through Samaria. Um, the first time he did it, we, we see that in John chapter 4, where he goes through Samaria. If you look at a map, it's the shortest way to Jerusalem from Galilee. Um, however, most Jews didn't do that. They didn't do that. Um, let, let's read the passage and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, Luke chapter 9. Verses 51 to 56. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before him's face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, it points them out. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah Elijah did? Um, And we'll um, keep reading in 56. He turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy man's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Um, so again, it's the second time he chooses this more direct route. Um, it, them saying to, to call fire down from heaven upon the Samaritans was significant. It was significant, they said, as Elijah. Uh, when did Elijah call fire? Remember, we know when Elisha did, right, with the, with the prophets of Baal um, to, to consume the sacrifice. But This was was more about the 50. Um, I don't know if you remember the story of the 50. It's 2 Kings chapter 17. Um, When when the Jews start coming back from captivity into Samaria, when the Assyrian king starts sending them back, first of all, he populates the city with Assyrians first. He sends Assyrians into Samaria to repopulate the area. And then it, there's, there's judgment coming. There's wolves, there's lions come and start and terrorizing the village. And the Assyrian king is worried. He says, you know what? Let's send a priest. We'll send one of their priests that we that we captured, and we'll send that priest into Samaria. And he'll fix things. They'll, they'll serve the God that's supposed to be served in that area. But what that priest did in 2 Kings 17 was he kind of blended he blended the the worship of God with the worship of their gods. And when they did that, they ended up, they they built their own temple, they founded their own priesthood, they made their own books of laws, they made their own sacrificial systems. It even said that they allowed the the child sacrifice in 2 Kings. And they called that worship to God. Um, It was, it, it was a, a horrible system of worship and one that God did not honor. Um, the temple that was built on that mountain, and the and 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 the Lord Jesus' um, and, and his witness to the woman of uh, the Samaritan woman, she mentions the mountain. We worship in this mountain. Um, they had built during the time of Alexander the Great, is when the Samaritan temple was built on that mountain. Um, but it was, it was destroyed over 100 years before Christ. Um, the mountain, though, in Samaria was still viewed as their holy place of worship. And, you know, even today, even today, a, a group of Samaritans, uh, they still hold to that religion, um, that mix of Judaism and pagan worship. Um, they still worship in the mountain today. Um, a small group, but the, the Jews detested the area, everything it stood for, the tradition. They had deemed the entire region unclean. That's why they would go days and days in the wilderness to pass it. They didn't want to go through. The Lord Jesus had no qualms about traveling through. He did it a couple of times that's mentioned in Scripture. Um, and here he's just, he's traveling through. He just wants a place to stay for him and his disciples and he was refused, flat out denied. They seen, it says they saw he was going to Jerusalem. Um, then they didn't view that as, as proper worship of God, going to Jerusalem. So they refused. He, he had always shown goodwill to the Samaritans, um, but this town denied him, and James and John had a remedy. Remember what Elijah did? Now, uh, what, what happened was Elijah... Um, had given a, a pronouncement of death um, to a messenger of the king, uh, the Isra- um, the, the king of Israel um, who lived in Ahab's ivory palace. And he, the king didn't like it that, that much. He pretty much said, come say it to my face. And so he sent a band of 50 men to Elijah to bring him. That's pretty intimidating. And Elijah said, you're not going to take me, and called fire from heaven and consumed the 50. Well, then he sends another group of 50. And Elijah does the same thing. I'm not going with this this battalion. More fire from heaven uh, incinerates the 50. Well, then the king sends another group of 50 and says, it's not going to happen to us. And they beg Elijah not to do what he's done to the others. Elijah gives glory to God. Ends up going with them and says it to the king's face, and the king dies. Um, and so th- this is what James and John are, are referring to. Let's just like like Elijah did to those. Fi- let's just incinerate them. Um, they thought it would be inappropriate, but notice that the arrogance. Notice the arrogance. Um, in verse fifty-four. In verse 54, they, when they asked the Lord, they said, will you that we? It reminds me a little bit of, um, of Moses and that second time he hit the rock. Um, they, they said, we'll, let us do it. Let us pronounce judgment. Let us. Remember when the second time Moses hit the rock, he said, must we fetch water for you rebels? Right Then he put himself in place in the same place as God. And James and John here said, we've cast out demons in your name. We have some power. Give us a little bit of the power to, to judge and to incinerate these people. Um, so they missed with their arrogance. And maybe they knew Jesus wouldn't do it. Kind of like, um, like Jonah and Nineveh. I knew, I knew you'd forgive them. And maybe they knew, you know, you won't do it. You can say you didn't do it. We'll do it. The sons of thunder, we'll get it done. We'll get it done for you. Um, They asked Jesus to let them do it. he's too nice. He wants to stay merciful. Um, But that was just the thing. They didn't see their mission was his mission. They, they, were supposed to have the, they were supposed to be in one accord and have the same mission. If, if I won't do it, I'm not going to let you do it. It's not like the kings of old that, you know, well, David didn't want to go to war, but he'd send his people to war, right? Um, Jesus came to save men's lives, not destroy them. And that's what he said. He said, the Son of Man has not come to destroy man's lives but to save them. He came to rescue, not condemn. The time will come. The time will come, but it's not come yet. Um, Perhaps it was a little noble, defending Christ, but they forgot today is the day of salvation. They forgot all the places in the rest of Israel where Jesus had been rejected. It's not just Samaria, it's not just Samaria that he was rejected. He was rejected in Jerusalem. Do you want him to call fire down on Jerusalem? How about your family members that rejected him? How about you in your hearts when you've kind of said it maybe he's a little crazy? Should he have called fire down on you, James and John? Praise the Lord and that He doesn't deal with us this way. People say, why is evil allowed to exist in the world? Well, you're evil. Do you want God to, to wipe you out? At what point does He call fire down from heaven on me? When I have the capability to do wrong? Because I have it now. Praise the Lord He doesn't deal with evil this way. Ezekiel 33:11: "God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked." Um, a few years later, um, Philip the deacon goes down into Samaria in Acts chapter eight, and the multitudes are saved. Um, no doubt, James um, would rejoice at that time. That he did not call fire down, that God did Jesus, the Lord did not give him that power. Um, no doubt many of the same people that he would have called fire down from heaven on um, were saved in Acts chapter 8. Um, the next one we read Mark 10, 35 to 45. And at the meeting, um, it was within the what we were worshiping. We read the other part, Matthew chapter 20. Um, so um, we see. Salome is the mother of James and John. She was the wife of Zebedee. That's mentioned um, in Matthew 27 and Mark 16. Um, She traveled with Jesus. Um, James and John's mother traveled with Jesus. It says that she ministered to him and the disciples. She provided meals probably. Maybe they were from a prominent family in Galilee. Maybe they helped a little with the finances, with the logistics of feeding such large multitudes. Um, In in Matthew's account, we get to chapter 20, verses 20 to 24, where we read of this request. um, In chapter 19, he had just told them of, in the regeneration, you'll sit in judgment. You'll sit on thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, And they kept thinking about those thrones. They kept thinking about it. They kept thinking about it. And they said, you know what? Our mom helps out a lot um we we he took us with him on that mountain when we saw a light we weren't supposed to tell anybody but we saw Elijah and like we we went up the mountain we saw him in his glory maybe that Peter's just out of control he's not going to give Peter a, a, the the chief seat maybe us maybe us and so they send the um they get their mom to help them out and they go before Jesus with the request. They said, we are able. When he says, are you serious? You're going to drink the cup that I'm going to drink and be baptized? They, he had told them that it was going to be crucifixion and death, but they didn't hear that part. They just said, we'll go wherever you go. Sometimes we get on Peter later on for saying that. Um, later, they said it before Peter said it. They said, we'll follow you to death before Peter ever said it. Um, But this request created animosity that lasted to the table where they were jockeying for position so much that they didn't notice no one had washed anyone's feet until their master took the towel and the basin. They wanted this crown of glory so much that they didn't realize that Jesus would give them a cup of suffering. They wanted, James wanted that power and Jesus gave him servanthood. He wanted a place of prominence and Jesus gave him a martyr's grave. He wanted to rule and a ruler gave James the sword. Um, Fourteen years after this request, as when that sword was run through him. The first of the twelve to die for his faith. Um, but you know, it's interesting. You know, he was one that would deny the Samaritans that chance of grace. He was in in that in that moment. He was the one that wanted to be first. Um, but there is a story uh, by the early church historian Eusebius. Um, And he passes on an account of James' execution at the hand of Herod. Um, Passes on a story was of Clement of Alexandria, who talked a lot about the early church. Um, And the the one who was walking James to the execution. So his handler, the guard, was so impressed with James' resolve. James was not begging for his life. He asked James of the hope that was within him. And James shared with him the gospel. And the man who walked with him to the execution ended up laying his head down next to James and said, kill me also, I'm a believer. Um, So there were two executions According to early church history, when James was run through with the sword, the one who walked him to the execution was also run through with the sword because he believed on his way to take James to the execution. Um, If if I were to choose between zeal and quiet compromise, I would choose zeal. Um, Passionate zeal every time. And we have... Um, 15 minutes, I can go to 12.15 to talk about John. Um, The apostle of love, Um, apart from Luke and Paul, John wrote the third most of the New Testament. Um, It's interesting, Luke wrote more by verses, Paul wrote more by um, entries, Um, but um, John comes in third. In the historical narrative, he only speaks once on his own. In the Gospels, we only hear John's voice alone. A lot of times he's with James or he's with Andrew. Uh, in Acts, he's with Peter. But one time he, he speaks on his own, and we'll talk about that. And he ended up with his turn at leadership. He's fourth in a lot in two of them. He's third in three of the lists, but he ended up leading. Kind of by default, he was the last one left. Um, the last one left. He outlived um, the other 11. And his writings from later in life earned him that epithet, the apostle of love. But make no mistake, this was learned from the Spirit. <laughs> learned and acquired by the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not, don't think of John as it, as the one we see in the paintings, the effeminate one leaning on the breast of the Lord Jesus. John was a fisherman, just like James and Peter. He was a follower of John the Baptist. And to be a follower of, to be a disciple of John the Baptist, you lived in the wilderness, you ate locusts. You, I mean, you were out there. You didn't have the resources um, to, you know, to, to live an easy life. Um, He was a son of thunder just as James was. And just as much as James did, he wanted to call fire down from heaven on those Samaritans. But in his long life, John aged well. He aged well. Um, His areas of weakness through the Spirit were traded for the fruit of the Spirit. By the end of his life, he was beloved and respected by the church all over the world, uh, for his love for other Christians, for the believers around the world, his love for Christ. But we can see from his writings, if we look at, at how he writes, um, the way that he teaches, we can see that the love did not replace the zeal. Love did not replace, the, it was balanced. With his zeal for the truth Um, think about the structure and I I, you know I taught my principal now sees me as a math guy but I planned reading for half of my years as a teacher I and looking at text structure I I love it the way an author an author's voice sets up what they want to teach and John writes in black and white there's no, he doesn't ex- take time to explain the exceptions like Paul does, right? In, in, in 1 John, there is not a Roman 7 that goes into the struggle, the struggle the believer has with sin, right? It is, if you sin, you're of the devil. Um, it, there's, and think about in the gospel, and I looked at some of the, the black and white in, in John's gospel, We have in chapter 1, light and darkness. Um, Chapter 3, life and death. In um, chapter 5, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil. Children of God, children of the devil. Judgment of the righteous against the judgment of the wicked. In John 9, the resurrection of life. Um, And there's the resurrection of damnation. Um, You receiving Christ, rejecting Christ. Fruit and fruitlessness. Obedience, disobedience, love, hatred. John draws hard lines. Um, in his epistles, walking in the light or walking in darkness, dwelling in darkness. You're born of God, you cannot sin. You're of God or of the world. If we love, you're born of God and know God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, right? Like, not born of God. He who abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him at any time. No qualifications, no hard lines, um, black and white. Of course, John knows believers sin, um, but that's not his point in writing. Um, Paul takes those time takes the time to labor the exceptions, the explanations, the struggles. But John is heavy-handed. His writing reflects that that zeal, that the son of thunder to the end. Um, but even still, even with that, like we don't when we think of of First John, we think of love. We think of love, but but it's still the hard lines. A love combined with truth. And that's the first balance we'll talk. We'll talk about a few balances, a few ways that that zeal was balanced. Um, the Lord helped John to balance truth and love. Um, truth was is mentioned 25 times in his gospel and 20 times in his epistles. 3rd um, John verse 4: No greater joy have I than to hear that my children walk. In the truth, love and truth. Um, no one says more about truth other than the Lord Jesus himself than John does in his epistles. Um, as a young man, his his zeal for truth was not balanced with love. Um, right. We see him wanting to call fire down from heaven with his brother James. Um, but in Mark chapter nine, we see him speak alone for the only time um, and it's right after, this is all in succession, right? So um, it's all in succession where, with the, the request to be greatest, the request to be the greatest in the kingdom. So Jesus tells them that they're going to have 12 thrones and they're, they're going to rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he goes on to say what that means. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised again from the dead, that my glory is going to be suffering. Um, and then the request, the, that private request. We hear um, in, in, I think it's in uh, Matthew's account that we know it's private because it says when the, uh, when the other 10 heard of it. So they didn't see it happening. It was private. When they heard of it, they were mad at the two brothers. Um, when Jesus teaches them and, and corrects that after Jesus sees that they're all mad at each other, and, and he corrects them. And we read that in the scripture reading, his correction, right? Um, the son of man came to give himself a ransom. Um, John has a confession. And he tells the Lord, and for time I'll just say, he tells the Lord, you know, when, remember when you sent us out um, to, to, to minister on our own? Well, there was some guy casting out demons in your name, but he wasn't with us. He wasn't part of our group, so I, I told him to stop. Um, and and John, John confessed the failure. Um, he knows it was a failure. Um, he condemned, he stopped someone from healing people. He stopped someone from helping a community just because they weren't part of the group. Just because they weren't part of the group that Jesus sent out officially. Um, and, and Jesus corrects him. And he says, you shouldn't have done that. Um, you shouldn't have done that. If they're, if, they're, if, if they're not against us right now, if they're, they're with us, they're with us. You know that truth without love has no decency. It's just brutal. Maybe say the truth hurts. The truth is brutal. But the without the truth without love is just all brute force. Um, but love without truth has hypocrisy in it. Um, and we see First John, that epistle is is balanced. Is balanced. You get to the end of 1 John. You said, I thought this was all about love. And he ends it with little children flee from idols, from idol worship. I thought this was all about love. And he's saying, keep yourself from idols. But if you look through it, it's just a perfect balance of of love, truth and love. Um, Also in John, the the Lord balanced that ambition with humility. Um, Again, Mark's account, it was Mark's account of that request uh, made with, by James and John and their mother. Um, it shows it was that secret reque- request. Um, but, you know, Jesus didn't rebuke the request. I don't know if you noticed. He didn't say, this is wrong. You shouldn't have asked that. Um, he, corrects, he corrects their idea. And when he does rebuke, when he does, um, he rebukes the, the tension between the disciples. He rebukes the infighting. Um, he says, look, um, the, the request wasn't wrong in, it, in its aim, in its aim to, be, to be great, to be a great servant of mine. If that's what you were thinking, a servant of mine, right? Um, because they erred in desiring to obtain the position more than they desired to be worthy of the position in Christ's eyes. There was no humility. Um, and John learned humility. Humility in such a way that in his gospel, he never mentions his own name. That's humility. Um, And only John records that gut punch in the upper room uh, when the Lord Jesus washed their feet. Um, And John learned that balance all too well of, of suffering and glory when it comes to Um, glorification in the kingdom of God. Um, The disciples, James and John, had an aversion to suffering, understandable, Um, but they had that thirst for glory. Jesus taught them that suffering is the price of glory in his kingdom. Take up your cross. Again, John writes "As you save your life by doing what? By losing it. You lose your life to find it. You hate your life to keep it forever. Our suffering is the assurance. He says our suffering is the assurance of the glory that's to come. And all the disciples needed to learn it. Um, how, how eagerly, and he would probably think of this later, how, how eagerly him, he and his brother assured the Lord they would drink that cup. Um. He would, that he would drink and be baptized with the baptism of suffering. They all fled at the night of his betrayal. But we know that they were all recovered. Um, they all suffered death for their faith in Christ. And all but John were martyred young in the prime of their life. Um, but John knew more than others about Jesus' cup of suffering. And being the only one left, was probably part of his suffering. Um, as far as we know, um, he, he was the only disciple to see the suffering of the Lord Jesus. He saw it all. Um, and then his, his brother was the first to drink the cup. Always together. James and John, James and John, James and John. Acts 12, 1 and 2. James is martyred. Uh, James was first and then the rest. Um, we find that John, in, according to church history, again, he, he ends up in Ephesus. Um, he ends up in Ephesus and a, the great persecution of Rome reached even there. And he was sent to the prison community on Patmos. In Revelation 1.9, he doesn't really mention his suffering other than that the Lord has granted him patience in his suffering. On Patmos. Um, and we know Jesus knew that John was going to learn the lesson. Um, he told Peter, feed my sheep. What did he tell John? Take care of my mom. <laughs> um, several early church stories say John never left the care of Mary. Mary never left the care of Mary until she died. Um, some say he brought her to Ephesus. Um, and that's where, where Luke got the birth stories. Luke has the birth stories. Where did Luke get them from? Well, maybe when, when he went to visit Ephesus um, with, with Paul and, um, and John is there with Mary. Um, how did Luke, how would Luke know what Mary heard other than he talked with Mary. Um, while John was taking care of her, um, Jesus, how did Jesus get John to be that man? He loved John into the man he knew he can be. I mentioned that there's the 20 times in the gospels and 25 times in the epistles, he mentions truth. He mentions love 80 times. Um, but that love never slid into that, uh, into, into indulgence, um, um, Still, truth is true. Sin is sin, black and white, son of thunder till the end. Um, John died by most accounts around 98 AD. But there is a story of his last days. Um, We don't know if it's after Patmos, if he ended up coming back to Ephesus, Um, but there's stories of him being carried into one of the church meetings in Ephesus, the one that he would go to. And they would carry um, an old and frail apostle John um, one historian says he was wheeled in, into the meeting. And one thing he, he always said, and this came from um, a story of, um, the, of Jerome and his commentaries on Galatians. I mean, you know, Galatia is the area, Ephesus is in Galatia. Um, so um, he kept saying, John would continue to repeat, my little children love one another. My little children, love one another. Every time he got an opportunity to say something, he would say, love one another. And someone said, why are you always saying that? It says he raised his voice louder than anyone in the meeting had ever heard him raise his voice. And he said, it is the Lord's command. And if this alone be done, it is enough. You'll know my disciples for the love They love one another. So that's, we covered, I know we didn't cover all the disciples. We covered all the fishermen of Galilee. Um, And even today, they're still casting their nets into the world. Um, Catching even us. 2,000 years later, how many of us, our salvation is, salvation story linked to a writing of John. Um, John 3.16. First, first that many kids memorize. Um, and giving us that, their example of the, the most common of men, a fisherman in Galilee. Everyone in Galilee is a fisherman. Uh, most common of men, but with the most uncommon calling to be fishers of men, to follow the example of the Lord Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you Um, We thank you that as we look into the lives of these disciples, we don't see people of supernatural strength or of um, unattainable intellect. We see ordinary people like us. Um, Lord, we pray that um, we would learn the lessons that the Lord Jesus taught the 12 um, of love and truth, of, of humility. Um, ambition only to seek after your will. Um, Lord, we pray that as we go through our lives, um, that we would seek only your glory um, in this life, that we would seek to be fishers of men, cast our nets as wide as we can and catch as many people as we can um, through the gospel that you've given us. Lord, we pray now you would take us back to our homes in safety and help us to leave this place with a better understanding of of what you would have us to do in this life, um, to follow this peculiar calling that we have to be fishers of men. Uh, We pray that um, you would guide us in this life as um, as you guided these disciples for 18 months. Uh, We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.